Alrighty, what's going on, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of the Trent Corville Show. I greatly appreciate everybody joining me here. Two weeks have gone by in the NFL season. I was thinking about it today, how great it is to have not only football back in general, but a normal year. We were plagued last year with no fans in the stands, no energy coming into the games, quite honestly. Think about Penn State not having a jam-packed whiteout at least once a year for those players. I mean, that has to be detrimental to, you know, to your psyche. The fans help so much, in not only in a competitive advantage when you're at home, when it gets loud, when the defense is going, but in general, having that energy, and I'm a big believer in the universe, and energy, when you have the, that fan base behind you, I think it means so much to the game. And for the first two weeks and the first three weeks of the college football season, we've really got to see that on display. A lot of home field advantages have started to become a real thing again, and that is absolutely awesome for football in general, for the world in general, all sports. Being able to have fans back is absolutely phenomenal. There was a game, though, and I want to go through a couple of them. I won't start with Aaron Rodgers today, even though we will get into that. A Sunday night instant classic between the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs. This was the most exciting game of the weekend, in my opinion, not only having the 2018 MVP and the 2019 MVP battling it out. Lamar Jackson is an alien. Some of the runs that he had, and I heard a couple people, very prominent people, a la Aaron Rodgers, talking about Lamar Jackson being like, he looks like Barry Sanders when he carries the football. This is a six foot two, 220 pound human running a 4-3 out of the backfield. And oh, by the way, throughout Lamar Jackson's entire career, high school, college, NFL, he was told one thing and one thing only. You can't play quarterback. You are not going to be a quarterback in college football. You will not be a quarterback in the NFL. He was recruited by a lot of schools. I believe Miami was a main school telling him, hey, you're not going to make it as a quarterback. It's not going to work out. You're a great athlete. Come play receiver for us. A couple other ACC schools, I believe Florida State as well said, hey, come play safety for us. This We're talking about Lamar Jackson here. Yeah, and he's four or five years into his NFL career. Let me throw some things at you, by the way. Nine times in Lamar Lamar Jackson's career, and this is his fourth or fifth year in the NFL, fourth year as a starter, I believe, in the NFL. He already has 900-yard rushing games from the quarterback position. That ties the NFL record. He is 24 years old, fourth season in the NFL, has already tied Michael Vick, who it took him 12 years to do. Obviously, Mike Vick was a video game, and I quite honestly... Mike Vick's arm was obviously second to none. I mean, he could stand, you know, uh, at the, his own 20-yard line and throw at 80 yards. I mean, absol- just a freak athlete, okay? But Lamar Jackson is doing things that the NFL has never seen before. Nine times in his early, early career that he's had. Already has won an MVP, has won a playoff game. Nine times, 100-plus rushing yards in a singular game from the quarterback position. You can't get any better than that. You can't get more production than what he is doing. Four times in his NFL career, this is also another NFL record. 200 passing yards in a game and 100 yards rushing in the same football game. 
200 yards through the air, 100 yards in the ground. Four times he's done it. That's the most in NFL history. The man is 24 years old. What are we doing still talking about Lamar Jackson as a production quarterback? What are we doing saying Lamar Jackson can't throw the football? Oh, he's only a runner. He needed to be a running back. NFL teams were telling this man, and by the way, he was taking... 32nd overall behind five other quarterbacks drafted in the first round. That is absolutely unbelievable. And to look at this guy now with a depleted, depleted Baltimore Ravens team, you got an offensive lineman out. You got every running back you had on the roster out for the season. Marcus Peters tears his ACL. He's out for the season. The defense is done. I mean, we're going to give up so many points. And they did versus the Kansas City Chiefs. But Lamar Jackson is putting this team on his back week in and week out and performing like we've never seen a quarterback perform. And he did it against his kryptonite on Sunday. He's 0-3 against the Chiefs. And he said that in a press conference. We can't beat the Chiefs. He, He called them their kryptonite. We can't beat them. Every year we come by and we can't beat them. Well, guess what? Solely Lamar Jackson. And obviously, sure, team effort. But Lamar Jackson won this game against the Kansas City Chiefs, 36-35. The gutsy play call. John Harbaugh, who I'm not a huge fan of, okay, last year when the Titans, you know, were doing a breakdown on the middle of the Ravens field, and he got all upset, and and Vrabel basically was whisking him away, being like, just go coach, little man, like, what are you doing? I've never liked John Harbaugh. But to see him look at Lamar Jackson in the fourth quarter, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes up with a terrible fumble. He's continued to do that through his career. You spent a first-round pick on him. I was super high on Mr. Hilaire until this game. Obviously, he had fumble trouble last year, but he fumbled about minute and a half left in the game, basically giving the Ravens another opportunity with a minute left. Fourth and one. You have to win this game. You have to seal this game. John Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson, and he already knows the answer to this question. It says, do you want to go for it? Do you want to go for it? This was the first time since 2000 there has been no team to go for it on fourth and one Two minutes left in the game while leading by less than a field goal. They were up one point, fourth and one. John Harbaugh looks at Lamar Jackson and says, you want to go for it? And what does Lamar say? Hell yeah, I want to go for it. What are you talking about? I'm Lamar Jackson. And what does he do? Lamar Jackson takes it into his own hands, gets the first down. Ravens beat the Chiefs. Let's put some respect on Mr. Jackson's name, doing it without any of his starting running backs, a depleted offensive line, a depleted defense, beating the Kansas City Chiefs, who at the moment looked like the best team in football, looked like the best team in football. Now the Chiefs, let's talk about them for a minute. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is going to continue to do Patrick Mahomes things because he is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. The things he does on the field, we've just truly never seen before. We've seen guys be able to throw it like he throws, right? But not at the angles that Patrick Mahomes is able to throw it. I mean, he'll be rolling to the left back foot and will throw it 50 yards to the other sideline, mind you. He'll be rolling left, throw it 50 yards to the right, Tyreek Hill on a streak route, touchdown. I mean, there's nobody else besides Aaron Rodgers that can do that in the NFL right now. So props to the Chiefs, but when you look at the Chiefs, you got to say, okay, they gave up 30 points to the Browns in the first game, and you give up 36 points to the Ravens in the second game. A Ravens team whose offense was dead last in passing percentage last year, 
And and people say that's on Lamar Jackson. It's not, by the way. It's a little bit on him. But you have to understand that the receivers he's working with are subpar at best. Marquise Brown, sure. He's five foot nine. Okay, he's 160 pounds. You're not. You can't do too much at that height and weight as a receiver in the NFL. But regardless, the Chiefs are giving up way too many points very early in the season. Betting advice: Never bet on the Kansas City Chiefs to cover the spread ever. Don't do it because they like to fall back during the game's fourth quarter. They're like, "You guys ready to play football? Travis, you ready to play football? Tyreek, you good? Let's go win the football game." They do that. They come that the uh, the. Comeback against the Browns was the 10th time they've come back by 10 or more points with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's just what they do. They weren't able to get it done against the Ravens, a depleted Ravens team. So hats off to the Baltimore Ravens. I really, I'm such a huge Lamar Jackson fan now, especially seeing that performance. I've always loved him. I've always thought he never got the respect that he deserves. But now seeing him basically performing on his own. All of the running backs that are in the backfield for the Ravens just got there a week and a half, two weeks ago. Lamar Jackson's doing it on his own. He is. Mark Andrews, great tight end. Uh, Ricard, the fullback, he's 300 pounds as a fullback. That doesn't happen. But he's, I mean, he's only, he doesn't have a ton of options to throw to, and he's putting up good, good numbers in the air. He's putting up good numbers on the ground. Early season MVP besides Kyler Murray. But that's neither here nor there, and I want to move on from this game. But congratulations to the Baltimore Ravens. Let's talk about the man I was just mentioning about a minute ago, Aaron Rodgers. Now, all week, all week, what I say on this program, everybody's going to say the Packers are done. The Aaron Rodgers, he was spending too much time jumping off cliffs in Hawaii and not studying the playbook. That it's so funny to see people on the internet just absolutely hate this guy. The guy is the most calm, cool, and collected man. He's very intelligent. He can throw the ball anywhere he wants to, and he proved that against the Detroit Lions. By the way, the Detroit Lions put up 33 points against the San Francisco 49ers, almost made a comeback, and the Packers absolutely routed him. 35-17, wasn't close the entire game besides the first quarter. It seems like Jared Goff, okay, and I'm not so high on Goff. I remember him coming into the uh, NFL, Mel Kuyper, all all he was saying was, the guy's hands are incredibly small. He won't be able to do it in the NFL with all the small hands, right? I mean, that's just, it's quite honestly true. I mean, if you have nine-inch hands and you're trying to grip the football, you're not going to be able to do it. And it started to drizzle a little bit in Green Bay, and Jared Goff was dropping the ball everywhere, throwing it out of bounds. Guy looked like he's never done a wet ball drill in his entire life. But Aaron Rodgers, 22 for 27, 81% completion percentage, 255 yards and four touchdowns. How about a, hey, remember me game, right? How about a let's get right Packers? They're at home at Lambeau. Lambeau was packed up with all the cheese heads. The Packers are back. The week one was a fluke. The defense isn't great. Kevin King, and go back to the episode we talked about the uh, conference championships about eight or nine months ago. I ripped Kevin King a new one for about 10 minutes straight. The cornerback, one of the starting outside corners for the Green Bay Packers, did the same stuff he's been doing since he started with Green Bay. He's not covering guys. I mean, you have undrafted receivers running streak routes against Kevin King scoring touchdowns. That's not good, Packers. You can't have that when you want to be a winning football team. The offense is going to be fine, okay? Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams, I mean, eight eight catches, 121 yards, was absolutely firing on all cylinders. There was a fade ball that Aaron threw. 
I don't know if I've ever seen a better ball thrown. Every every time the guy drops back and he gives a little hitch in the hips, just know that ball's going 45, 50 yards on a rope. It's going to be completion every time. And then the next play, he throws a touchdown to Robert Tunyon right over a linebacker's helmet. You couldn't put it in a better place. Keep talking about Aaron Rodgers not being back, not being all with it, because guess what? He's going to come out. He's going to win 12, 13 games. They're going to go to the playoffs, and they're going to the damn Super Bowl. That. The Green Bay Packers are all the way back. I was so happy watching that football game to see Aaron out there happy. And by the way, Aaron Jones running back, four touchdowns, four touchdowns, three in the air, three in the air as a running back. That hasn't happened since Danny Woodhead did it in 2015. Absolutely unbelievable. The Green Bay Packers are all the way back. That's what you need to know. And Aaron Rodgers likely going to win the MVP once again. I mean, absolutely unbelievable, his performance. You can't have a better second game than, than they did. And it was, it's crazy. This stat is wild. Aaron Rodgers, after losing a game, is 6-0. and Every game that he's had, those six games, four touchdown passes after a loss. Four touchdowns after a loss. This guy comes back. This is what he does. Are we forgetting who number 12 is in Green Bay, Wisconsin? We shouldn't. Anyways, moving on from the Packers, they are 1-1 one one now. The team that I'm most close to, a team I wasn't very high on going into the season, I'm being an optimistic fan here, obviously, of the Carolina Panthers, but the Carolina Panthers are playing good football right now. Sam Darnold, I won't believe in him until he wins a playoff game for the Carolina Panthers because I believe that that guy just doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the NFL. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty. He was throwing the ball all over the place on a New Orleans Saints defense that held Aaron Rodgers to three points, two interceptions. Sam Darnold was dicing him up. And I think if Teddy Bridgewater, who was the quarterback for the Panthers last year, had Christian McCaffrey, because he didn't, McCaffrey was injured the entire season, how good that team would have looked, because I think Teddy Bridgewater is much better than Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey's all the way back, Robbie Anderson's playing great football, DJ Moore, number two, the wide receiver from Maryland, his third year, he's already had 2,000-yard receiving seasons, they look good, the Panthers look good, the defense is one of the top defenses in the country, I mean, in the uh, NFL right now, and that's crazy to say, because the last 10 years, the defense has been nothing, but right now, they're leading in a lot of different categories. Yards per game, they're number one in the NFL. Rushing yards per game, number one in the NFL. And points per game given up, number one in the NFL in defense. I mean, are the Carolina Panthers going to make a Super Bowl run here? I mean, you got a division right now where the Falcons are terrible. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. It's very sad to watch, obviously. Matt Ryan just needs to hang it up. You got the Saints, who we thought were going to be good, and then they go out against the Panthers and lay an absolute duck. So you really don't know what's going on in that division at the moment. Obviously, Tampa's in there. So we got we to get past Tampa. And Tom Brady, through two games, already has nine passing touchdowns. It's like, oh, well, here we go again. I, I mean, come on, Brady. Give us one, one shot. You got to keep this up. It's almost selfish now with Tom Brady. It's like, we get it, pal. You and you and Rob are awesome, okay? 
Red Zone Robbie G, what he called himself on the Manning cast, which is absolutely unbelievable, by the way. The future of sports media. You are seeing it on ESPN2 every Monday night, by the way, if you didn't know. But Red Zone Robbie G, I mean, he's he's already got four touchdowns this season. Brady has nine. It just seems like Tampa's going to get back to the Super Bowl, hopefully against the, you know, when they play the Packers in the NFC Championship, which will be likely to happen. And I, I hope that goes differently, obviously. But Tampa is going to be a problem for the Carolina Panthers. I don't see Carolina beating them when the in the two meetings that they're going to have, obviously, because you play people in your division, you play twice. And so Tampa, I think, is going to give the Panthers problems. But look for a wild card spot with the Carolina Panthers. I think they could win 9-10 games. I mean, it's a 17-week season, so... Nine and eight isn't what we really want, but if we win 10 games, I think there's going to be a legitimate shot for the Carolina Panthers to make a wild card. I do. They're 2-0 and right now. They'll lose some games, for sure. They'll lose against the big ones. But again, I thought the Saints were going to absolutely rout them, and the Panthers dogged the New Orleans Saints and Jameis Winston. I, I came on this very program here and was saying Jameis Winston going to be in the MVP Hall of Famer. I mean, after that first game, I was like, the guy is all the way back, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion. We've seen this. We, he's done this. We know who Jameis Winston is. And now the New Orleans Saints are struggling after a week against the Carolina Panthers, so we will see how they do in the coming months. And it, look for Carolina, honestly, to make a wild card spot in the NFC. I really think it's going to happen this year. 10-win season. You heard it here first. Sam Darnold's going to keep dicing him up. Christian McCaffrey's going to do what he needs to do. The Panthers are going to win 10 games, get into wild card position. Moving on to the next game here. The Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay. I hope one day that there's an ESPN 30 for 30 on Sean McVay's trip to Cabo to meet Matthew Stafford. I mean, what a coincidence, right, that a frustrated quarterback in Detroit just so happens to run into Sean McVay at the same resort in Cabo, end up having a dinner together. What happens the next day? Matthew Stafford's traded to the uh, Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff and three other first-round picks. Again, shot in the face to Jared Goff. It wasn't a quarterback swap, how everybody says it. They're like, oh, they just swapped quarterbacks. No, Detroit sent Matthew Stafford, and they got Jared Goff and three other picks. So that's really not a quarterback exchange. It's more like a, hey, here's everything we have so we can get Matthew Stafford, and it's proving to be incredibly effective. Cooper Cup, the receiver, already has 200-yard games, three touchdowns. This is a very high-powered offense, and not having a running back, Cam Akers, tore his ACL coming into the season, will be a problem for them, I believe, in the long run, but their offensive line is looking really good at the moment. Jalen Ramsey, Florida State kid, he's lean, he's long, he can run with anybody, is one of the best defenders that I've ever seen play football. The role that he's playing with the Los Angeles Rams, and there's this kind of narrative around corners, especially especially a lockdown like him, that he doesn't like to take hits. He doesn't like to put his nose in there. Jalen Ramsey right now is playing kind of a Jamal Adams role for the Seahawks. They're letting Jalen Ramsey do whatever he wants to do. Obviously, he's going to be manned up with somebody on the outside. You're not going to get past Jalen Ramsey when he's covering you. But in the run game, Jalen Ramsey has proven incredibly effective in tackling. I mean, he's one of the leading tacklers for the LA Rams right now at the outside corner position. That's unbelievable. They're letting this freak athlete, who is one of the best defenders I've ever seen, 
play whatever he wants to play, and it's proving incredibly effective for them. And so I see them continuing to do that. And then, oh, let's remember, number 99 on the interior defensive line, Aaron Donald, is probably the best defender that I've ever seen play football. Being a stout six feet tall, 270 pounds, no body fat whatsoever, trains with knives in the off season. Like literally, look up a video look up this video right now if you're listening to this program. Pause and look up this video of Aaron Donald training his hands with knives. Literally, his trainer has knives attached to his hands, and he's so precise with his movements, he's able to avoid the sharp, pointy objects that are on the pad. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable what he does, but the LA Rams are a problem. They are a problem for everybody in the NFC. And I think with the playoffs come around, SoFi Stadium looking absolutely unbelievable. That complex... It's such a cool spectacle. You know, it's also cool to see, like, Jerry Jones was kind of the first one to create this center, you know, where where there's so many different things to do at the stadium. And SoFi Stadium is just another bigger piece of that, right? Like, there's so many things to do around the stadium. When that place is packed up, it gets loud. It gets loud in there. L.A. Rams fans, they're loving what's going on with Matthew Stafford and that offense. I like the Rams. I, I, I didn't think... Things were going to work out like they thought they would um, early on. But, I mean, they're 2-0 right now playing great football. We're going to see once the uh, tougher competition comes around. A couple more things I want to get to before we get out of here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are dead. Okay? They're a dead football team. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, always above 500. This is potentially the year that happens. Okay? Big Ben. Let's, let's look back to last season, right? Drew Brees was deteriorating physically by the minute, it seemed like. His arm, he couldn't throw it anywhere, plus 20, 25 yards. And we saw that, you remember when Peyton Manning, Peyton's final season, when he beat the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl, we don't have to discuss that, but that happened. Peyton Manning couldn't throw the ball more than 25 yards, and he still won. Drew Brees couldn't throw the ball more than 25 yards and couldn't win because he didn't have the team around him. It seems like that is what's going on in Pittsburgh. The offensive line is incredibly deteriorated. And when you have Big Ben back there, yes, he can take big shots. That's why they call him Big Ben. But in the end, you have to be able to throw the ball at an efficient rate and downfield, especially when you have Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. By the way, Keeping Chase Claypool out in the fourth quarter for a couple reasons, Big Ben went on a radio show and basically was like, we can't have our stars on the sideline for big moments. That just can't happen. And it's true. I mean, Chase Claypool, he was a fifth-round, sixth-round pick, but he's proven incredibly effective for that offense, and they weren't using him. It's a little bit confusing what the Steelers are going through at the moment, but the offensive line stinks. Even though Najee Harris stiff-armed Jonathan Abram, into next week. I mean, that his soul, if you watch the clip, his soul, Jonathan Abram, left his body. He, it is no longer there. He is soulless. We obviously saw Derrick Henry last year throw Josh Norman like he was a ragdoll, and now Josh Norman, I mean, he was the, the laughing stock of the internet for the year. Jonathan Abram, same thing here, pal, and he's a hard hitter too. But Najee Harris has no help with that offensive line. It's just going to be tough for, for the run game to get going with the Steelers if they can't produce, you know, with the offensive line, if you can't have a push up there, it's going to be a problem. And if Big Ben can't get the ball out at an efficient rate and where you need it to be, that's also going to prove incredibly, incredibly difficult for them to be able to have success in the season. 
I don't think that they'll have a losing season because Mike Tomlin just seems like he never has a losing season and he hasn't in his career at the, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Literally has never been under 500. And people don't talk about that. He's got two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls, never been under 500. Mike Tomlin, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, right there. Right there. I, I mean, to have that record for as long as he's been there, absolutely incredible. But this could be the year that the Steelers struggle mightily against good competition, especially good defensive lines. That's going to be their problem. If they, if you got a Chase Young, a Miles Garrett, and Aaron Donald coming off the edge, you're going to have real problems for the Steelers. Big Ben's going to take a lot of shots Maybe Dwayne Haskins, maybe Dewey Haskins okay, gets his shot because Big Ben is more than likely going to get hurt. When Big Ben is back, when people are like, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger's back, it's like, oh, okay, was he hurt? Probably because he gets hurt every single year. I mean, we never know what's going on with the guy, but hopefully the Steelers can turn it around. That offensive line is just not great. They have a great defensive backfield, give up a long deep ball. Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs can't happen for the Steelers. Steelers got to make some improvements or else their team is going to struggle. Now the Colts, let's talk about the Colts real quick. Carson Wentz is a wild card. Carson Wentz, I think... Obviously, he you know is getting paid 140 million dollars to play quarterback. He is not worth that at all. Not even close. I mean, Carson Wentz is not playing great football. The offensive line, having Quentin Nelson and everybody, is struggling mightily. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts can do. You know, once everybody's healthy, Carson Wentz still seems like he's back and forth just a little bit. The guy looks to get killed, though. I mean, if you watch Carson Wentz play on the football field, he's diving, he's throwing his body around, he's doing everything that you're not supposed to do when you're getting paid $100 million to play quarterback. So Carson Wentz and that offense need to figure it out. I don't see him having success in Indianapolis through these first two weeks. There might be some growing pains, obviously, but Carson Wentz isn't the guy. I feel like I've been saying that for a long time. Look, I mean, I, I wish he was good. I wish Carson Wentz was a good football player. He's not. The city of Philly, those scumbags, ruined him. They absolutely ruined him. He, he's not going to be able to come back from the absolute hatred that was shown in Philadelphia. It, it, it mentally deteriorated him. He's done. He can't do it any longer. We've talked about a ton today. I understand that there's a lot going on, even though we are two weeks in the NFL season. Oh, by the way, Zach Wilson threw four interceptions against New England Patriots. What did I... What have I what have I said, right? Like what what are we doing? Even with a terrible team that the Jets have, you probably shouldn't throw three first half picks and another pick in the second half. There should have been two more that were actually dropped. Imagine if Zach Wilson threw six interceptions against the New England Patriots. If those two DBs didn't drop the interception, would have been a much different game. Zach Wilson would have been run out of New York quicker than we've ever seen anybody run out of New York before. Absolutely unbelievable. Zach Wilson, not going to be anything in the NFL. I've been saying it, but I greatly appreciate everybody joining me here today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That really helps. Five-star rating and be a friend, see a friend, tell a friend, share it with a friend, and more importantly, listen to the Scott Hamilton Show every day. 10 to 12 on ESPN 98.9 FM, charlestonsportsradio.com, and the ESPN 98.9 app in the App Store or Google Play Store. I greatly appreciate all of you beautiful people, and I will see you next Thursday. Peace and love.